Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of season two of the Mav Puck cast. I am Jason and John is here with me. That's right. And we are going to talk about Maverick hockey Cause that's with what we, enthusiasm. Because that's what we do here. That's what we do here. That's what they told us to do. That's what we represent, man. Because otherwise we'd have to name, rename the podcast to something different. We don't have ideas. Yeah, we have no ideas. So we talk Maverick Hockey, uh, home series with Duluth this past weekend. Yeah, you were not in town. I was not. We were up in Minnesota. Uh, actually, I had to split up this week because both of my daughters played in two different cities. So I was in Blue Earth. It sounds better than that. Like, I love saying Blue, Blue Earth. Earth. Oh, it sounds, yeah. Uh, it's not that interesting. But had some good pizza. Well, good. The girls fought hard. So it was. It, it sounded was, like, yeah, I saw some yeah, of the they, updates you posted. It was interesting. They tied the. Uh, they ended up tying the last place team on Friday night. Okay. <clears throat> fought back from two goals down three times to get a 6 6 tie. And then. Lost to the home team. Okay. And then beat. Uh, who did we beat? I'm trying to remember. Des Moines wasn't there. Anyways, we we won the last game, and that got us a title match, a rematch with the team that we had lost to. And the girls just dominated on Sunday. It was really nice to see, because I know they were kind of upset they didn't play the best against them, and... And struggled at times, and um, it was a really close game. It was two teams that you know are pretty evenly matched, obviously between the two games, and uh, so that was really exciting. And then nice, I hightailed it after that game, and we were able to make my youngest daughter's last game in Austin, the Spam capital of the world. Yeah, you toured the Spam Museum last year. Yeah, and they toured it this year. Okay, I didn't get to. It's, a, but, it's an annual tradition now. I think every team that goes tours the Spam Museum. To to the Spam yeah, Museum. I'm glad that youth hockey's propping up the Spam Museum. It's good to hear. <laughs> well, Bridget and I were here because we're always here for UNO and hockey home games. You saw better hockey, right? Than you saw? Yeah, right. I, I mean... don't. I don't know. Did we? I <laughs> know. I think it's the baseball. Did we see better hockey than you saw? It was another tough weekend for the Mavericks. Yeah, we got swept. So I had to watch online. You were there in person. What right. was your impression of the two games? Well, and you and I talked a little bit about this before the episode. Number one, you and I gave up a lot of shots at the top of the circles. Both games this weekend. Right. Uncontested shots. And that's tough. That's tough. You leave a team like Duluth out there to fire at will. They're probably going to get something through. I'm just saying. We've said it before in the podcast, and I've thought it all season around, is that especially I think now that we're in NCHC play, that when it really that's when it really comes into matter. We need some guys that are willing to sacrifice the body, block some shots. Yeah, we had some tough turnovers too in our uh, in the neutral zone in our offensive zone and in our defensive zone this weekend. Right. That's always that's always rough when that happens. 
Yeah, I heard Gabnet talking about that on the post-game pressers. Okay. Uh, about, you know, the the challenge that the team has with NCHC play, just of what he said, not verbatim for what he said, right. was that, you know, you make one mistake and the puck's in the back of your net. And so right. you really have to, they're just having to kind of grow this team into learning to be a team that plays 60 minutes of perfect hockey. Yeah. Just a mentally very, very tough team is what they're trying to become, right. I think. I mean, you literally can't make any mistake. And, and the problem is with freshmen is, is that you start putting that kind of pressure on them. And inevitably, most of the time they crack. Right. They'll make mistakes when they're trying right. not to make mistakes. That's just That just happens in athletics all the time. I mean, it's... It, yeah. And early on, Seville was bailing us out of some of our mistakes, I thought, early on in the season. And against Miami and now against Duluth, I don't think he's... I don't think he's been that. Like, he hasn't... He hasn't made the that kind of unbelievable... Like, thank God he was there because the defense totally messed up type right. of things. It's like, the defense messes up and... I mean, he's trying, but the last couple series, I, I see what you're saying. It's kind of like it wasn't one of those things where you looked at the goaltender and said, "The goaltender's play saved us this weekend." That right. did not. That really hasn't been a factor the past two series, I would say. And you really don't want that. I mean, you just you just don't want your goaltender to be the reason why you win games. You, no, you're, you want you're, them to be solid. You're, you're really like, hoping the team in front of them will respond, minimize opportunities yeah. in the slot, do those types of things. And that did not happen this weekend. I felt a few of the goals that Seville let in were kind of soft. Um, the first goal of the game on Friday night, I thought, I felt at least that that was a save he would normally make. I don't know what it looked like from your end, so. Live. I mean, I mean well, you know. See, that's the thing. is like, Live, it's a little bit different. It's I always mean, different live. It's tough, and they, they show us, like, if they do show us replays at Baxter Arena, they're very brief. You know what I'm saying? Right. You'll get a replay on there. It's not like we get it three or four times. That's what, you know, my buddy, they, they my buddy Scott, my buddy Scott it. who sits behind us was like, I missed the replay. Could they please show that again? I mean, could they just, unless they're reviewing it for some reason, show it to us a few times. But instead we seem to get highlights at these games a lot of times of the, you know, the series that happened, you know, right. the, previously, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And then when they do show the replay, it's usually a single angle. Right. And that's the other advantage that you get with the sometimes the with TV coverage. Yeah. A lot of times they'll show the replays and they'll show the multiple angles of it. Right. And that comes into play on Friday with Weiss's goal, or at least the one that they credited to Weiss. Um, he comes off the wing on the face off and challenges. I can't remember how they had their face-off set up, if they had the defenseman over there to, to move the puck around or not. You know, and but Jason, he I... came off and challenged, and a lot of people were like, oh, it was an own goal. And even the announcers for Duluth, I had said, oh, man, we shot it in our own net. 
And if you look at the replay, Weiss gets his stick in there and it deflects off of Weiss's stick and up over the goaltender. So it's like, yeah, it's not the, you know, crazy, you know, he dangles it through the guy's feet and makes some ridiculous shot type of thing. But I mean, that was a valiant effort from Weiss this weekend. And, and so I think he deserves credit for the effort that he put into something like that. But that's something that I was thinking like, man, up there, you know, where we sit, what does it look like? I assume that it looked like they shot it in their own net. Um, yeah, I th- thought that they did shoot it into their own net. And I will tell you that they did correct that for Weiss. Oh. And they gave it to Abate. Did they give that one to Abate? Yeah. Because it's on when I had looked before it was right. on NCH or it was on uh, NCAA on OCHO. Yes, that's the way it that's the way a number of entities had tweeted it, including Mav Puck on Twitter. And then well, cause it they switched tw- to yeah. They they had they had changed it from uh OCHO OCHO had changed it from a uh, snapshot for Weiss to a tip. So I assume that that's what they, when they, that they had gone back and looked at it and noticed that he didn't actually shoot it and it was just a office sticking. Yeah, I honestly can't. Abate would be the next one because he was the one who won the face off. Yeah, so I don't, I'm not altogether sure on that, but. On the looking at the stat sheet right now, I yeah. don't have Weiss on there. Okay. So UNO does not have him on there, and I think that that was the one that was then credited to Abate. Okay. So yeah, we thought it was Weiss too, but apparently not. So I don't know. Well, even if he doesn't get on it that way, I think that he deserves credit for the effort that he put in to challenge that. I mean, oh yeah. Because if he's not there, that puck's easily wrapped around the boards. Yeah. I mean, you contested that, so you forced a mistake, at least. And I think that's the thing, you know, looking at the... I think the Friday final 6-3... It's odd, because when I watched it online, I'm like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to lose by a couple goals, just the way it seemed like we were playing. But, you know, Abate then ends up with two goals. Yep. And, I mean, we're in it. Like, it's... They were in it, yeah. It's 4-3. They were able to come it's back. It's 1-1. It's 2-2. Two, two. It's... I know. You know, and then it's just like, uh That was the craziness. The that's that, that right after Abate's goal. That's that craziness, and it's that when you're most vulnerable as a team, it's right after you've scored a goal. We've said that on this podcast a number of times. Yep. Why do we keep giving up goals right after we score goals? It just kills us. And it's something you see with younger teams sometimes. I don't know what the staff can do, but I think Gabinet needs to do some things with these kids that really, you know, focuses on that, like, mental toughness. That, like, never letting off the gas. Go, go, go kind of thing. Um, You know, because, like, we score a goal and... We kind of just like, it seems like we take a breath and I don't want them to breathe. Like I want them just to be like, you score a goal and you forget about it as quickly as you scored it. Right. Yeah. And, 
And so we were talking about that Weiss goal thing. Now, there are people who, you know, it was it was that craziness with Dylan Sandberg where it looked like he scored on his own. It was just crazy. It was crazy how right. that happened because it kind of like clanked off the post. It was, yeah. It was an odd angle, the score one. It was. When you look and at it, and the like, crazy thing is when you look at the replay of that, it just, it looks like... I, I, saw I mean, it, it looks. Live. It looks like. It looks like he almost. It was kind of right off the face off. It almost looks like he was like confused and thought he was in his offensive zone and turns around and fires, it on, <laughs> fires it on his old goaltender. You know, but it 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 was. He was trying to like. He's trying to wrap the puck around the back of the net to the wing that moves off the. Yeah, pretty, no. It's a pretty generic breakout, but. Yeah, Chris Stilks has that, and yeah. Has what? He has the article about the Dylan Sandberg here. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Because the Bulldogs was... were leading 2-1 to one early in the third period. And a face-off in the UNDM, like we were mm-hmm. talking about, UMD captain Justin Richards won a face-off to Sandberg, who tried to play the puck around the end boards for a breakout. But Sandberg's geometry was a bit off, and instead this happened. What the hell? Own goal, and UNO has now tied it 2-2 two to two in the third. So, yeah. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. I it's thought just, it, I thought it looked like I thought it looked like he put it in the net. You saw something different. I thought it looked like their guy put it in the net. I'm like, what the hell just happened? So well, like every angle that they showed on the broadcast, I thought that I thought Weiss got a stick on it. That's what I thought. But then they didn't credit the it to Weiss. So, so now I'm Well, so then Are, are they doing a bate cuz he was the right closest away. guy to him? They did no, right away. You're right. They, do, they did they right do away. They did a bate because he was the last one to touch the puck. Okay. He to touch the puck in the face. Okay. Off. So so if it's not Weiss's goal, it would it would it either would have been Weiss from Abate or it was Abate unassisted. Yeah, and so it says that they yeah UNO's got it credited Abate unassisted. So yeah, so yeah he put that in on the which was great. This came into play like a few years back uh, in an NHL game for like a minute and a half. A yeah, had a goaltender pulled, and they're moving the puck around. They're moving the puck around. Forward goes to pass it back. The defense defense misses it. Puck goes in the empty net, and the refs spent like quite a while to go yeah. back and figure out which team, which member of the team was the last one to touch it. Because it looked like Weiss, and that's what they said during the game when we were sitting there in Baxter Arena. So that's initially did what they, we thought. And then they went they back and co- Weiss? yes, okay. and then they went back and corrected it later mm-hmm. on. So. That's crazy. Yeah, I saw like CHN had it come across as Weiss right after it happened. And... Right. Which was great because that tied it up two to two. So thank you, Minnesota Duluth. We yeah, appreciate I, that. Yeah. A goal is a goal. I don't it was just, it's a goal is a goal is a goal. And we'll, we'll, t- <laughs> we'll take that. So, you know, at that point the game was tied and, and uh, then Duluth got the next two on Friday night and, and you're, I don't know. It was, it was a, that was a tough, that was a tough game, but we did show some signs of life in the third period. It was just, it was a rough weekend all around. And then I wasn't sure what to think going into Saturday night. Obviously the score was closer Saturday night. It looked like they maybe rebounded a little bit. They get the first goal on Saturday night. Seems we like do they bounced back pretty well because yeah. I think it was a little bit back and forth on Friday. It was kind of more, a lot of Duluth on Saturday. Until yeah. the third period, and then it right. seemed like we decided, oh yeah, we're gonna play today. Yeah, exactly. We got the first goal, and then they got three unanswered goals, and so it was three to one at that point. 
And I think that that's when my dad, who's 78 years old, as you know, he leaves. He leaves fairly early anyway because he, you know, just wants to beat the traffic home. He left after the first period because he was not uh, he was not sure what was going to happen. We were down two to one. Um, it was rough when we were down three to one. But you you know, obviously, a two goal lead is the most dangerous lead in college hockey or any level of so hockey. Say, so yeah. or so they say. I you know I <laughs> I guess what is a one goal lead the second most dangerous lead in college hockey? But yeah, it was a tough one. But we did show some signs of life. In the third period, I think part of I don't yeah I so I'm, ha- I'm having a hard time today because obviously I'm just kind of I just feel tired after the weekend I don't yeah I what I struggle with right now is okay that the last couple see the last couple series that we've had it seems like we're playing more like last year it it does and that worries me that worries me too the one difference is and I said it last week. And I'll say it again. It seems like these guys are willing to fight through things more than sure. last season. They don't. They don't seem to get rattled as easily as that team did last right. season. And the other factor I think is that they have more depth than last season. Last season you mm-hmm. had one line that could score, and that was basically it. Yeah. This time it feels like there's more depth. Now I don't know if you know player for player if we have the kind of depth that we need to go toe to toe with our NCHC foes. That's that's suspect at this point in the season. I think you might agree with that. Uh yeah, completely. We don't have we don't have a top end right NCHC team at this point in time. But could we? I mean there's there's flashes of We could, potential. yeah, there's flashes of potential. You know, Ward, I think, hasn't been as productive as he was last year, but he's still playing pretty good hockey. Yeah, he's playing well. Uh, Weiss is playing better. Better than last, last season. season. So that's Abate, a, Abate's a nice surprise this yeah. season. Sullivan's been Sullivan's been a, a surprise nice too. Yeah, he's yeah since he got in yep. to the lineup. Uh, Conley, I think, has been more physical than he was last year. Yeah, he's that's he's rock steady. Um. Then there's the ones that you kind of go like, oh, I kind of hoped for maybe a little bit more with some of these freshmen. Um, Wall was one of them. I kind of, you know, right. Stat wise, I'm thinking, oh man, if he can come in and well, he's he's big. That's the thing you can't you can't teach size, right? And you can't teach the wingspan, and that's those are two things but he's size got. Doesn't but doesn't matter if you don't know how to use it. And no, it he seems can... like he's still trying to just find his way, and that's you got to understand that he's a freshman. I mean, it's not. Right. You, it's really difficult for you to expect a freshman, especially a freshman defenseman, yeah, to come exactly. in and make an impact. Yeah. And so, like, I, I don't want to give the kid, you know, a hard time for it because I'm sure that he's putting in, you know, a good effort. Yeah. Stuff, but, um, but I just kind, you kind of hoped if we were, and and then looking at it and saying like, what does UNO need to have happen to be a top four team and have you know home ice in in a playoff? And I'm thinking, you know, these are the kids that really have to come in and be difference makers. Right. And we're close, but we just don't seem to have it. And I think that's what we saw against Duluth, you know? Like, we're close. A few bounces go our way, and those are different games. And, you know, Seville makes some saves, and all of a sudden, you know, maybe we have a lead instead of, you know, trading by one. Uh, So... There's just a lot of that. We haven't quite figured out when we're in a close game... How to 
how to hold a tie or even hold a one goal lead at right. this point. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You're absolutely right. It's one of those things where if we had like a two goal lead, it might be a better position for us than what we've seen so far. They're not they're not quite there as far as kind of grinding out a win or grinding out a tie, if you if you know what I mean. We seem to have our best games too when we go pedal to the metal out of the gate. Yeah. When when they run up and down the ice, basically. When, when yeah. They say like we're gonna go out here and from the very first drop of the puck, we're going full throttle. All the way down. Let me ask you about that. Does that seem to kind of contradict what we thought was going to epitomize a Mike Gabinette team? Because we we had heard from people, and again, we're we're it's you and I are armchair analysts hearing from other armchair analysts. We had heard that maybe this you know, kind of this program was going to become a program that was kind of a more of a slow it down, more methodical, defensive, net out type of team. And as you pointed out so eloquently, we're a team that has had our successes this season running up and down the ice, kind of like those, you know, Dean Blaze teams of, you know, yesteryear did. And I remember when Gadnet first came in, he talked about that kind of, net out sacrifice kind of hockey. Right. And I think he had a team that was better, especially defensively. Better suited better with some of those defensemen that. that we had a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah. I don't know that he has the team to do that. I His philosophy and the things that he said at things like when we go to the dinners with right. dads and stuff, you know, the, the way he talks is more about responsibility right now. And if that's his MO and that's his idea for how he builds you know as a proc as as a program is, you know, it's more about do your job, know what your role is, play in your lane. And as you said, play responsible, play responsibly, do the little things right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, put in an effort, don't be lazy. Like I think that that kind of system can work. And you can still kind of do both. Like you can still have defensemen that are very much a um, crash and protect kind of defense style, right? Um, but the transition game becomes a challenge because those defensemen not only have to be able to do that, they have to still be able to move the puck, right? And that's a very unique thing to get someone who's willing yeah. to play that kind of game but still capable of yep. getting tape-to-tape passes. Yeah. And you can tell the games where we struggle because, you know, I'll talk to some of the guys that, that I know there at the game in the first intermission. I'm like, yeah. it's not going to end up well for us. We're we're missing too many easy passes, simple plays. And then you start passing up the, the good play to try to make something crazy happen. And then you have right. those bad giveaways and then we're screwed yeah. again. So it's tough. And you know, the thing was we had heard that they worked on the penalty kill in practice last week. And right. quite honestly, if you look at this weekend, UNO was good on the penalty kill. They did very they killed off a full five yeah. penalty. So Yeah, we didn't give up a power play goal on Friday night, which I thought was terrific. And anyway, I think we gave up one on Saturday night, but it was tough. You know, the shorthanded goal that we gave up on Friday night that was that was that was a or was that Saturday night yeah Saturday night that shorthanded goal we gave up to yeah. make it two to one that was kind of a momentum killer right there yeah I don't shorthanded goals kill you <sighs> they do 
it was just tough. And, and, uh, you know, hats off to Duluth, you know, they were a team that was, I mean, they were willing to step in front of everything. They had no fear once they established their four check. Right. You know, it was a, it was a tough deal. It's, it's just tough. I can tell, you know, Jason and I sound completely low energy on this podcast. One of the things <laughs> I do think, and let's, let's look at more aspirate. It, it would be interesting to know what kind of goals the team has for itself. Aside from the, you know, doing the small things, right. Winning shifts, winning in certain zones of the ice. It would be interesting to know going into the season, if they, as a team, cause we don't know this, you know, we're not flies on the wall. We have no idea. Do they have like aspirational goals? Like our goal this year is to finish whatever place in the conference or to win this many games before January 1st. It would be interesting to know if they had those kind of aspirational goals. Cause sometimes those things can help motivate you to do the little things right, whether it's in sports or whether it's in life. I know for me, sometimes, you know, I can get up and do all the little things I'm supposed to on a day-to-day basis in our business. But sometimes if I have a bigger goal, like if I have a goal that, you know, I want to bill a thousand dollars a week. Cause I've done that during certain years. I'm like this year, I want to bill $1,000 a week and I'll do a lot of things that I wouldn't normally do in order to achieve that goal. Mm. And so even if I don't hit the goal, I will inevitably have made more money in the year right. by doing those things. And again, it'll kind of force me to start to do the little things, the little, put the pieces together you know, force myself out of my comfort zone to get that goal accomplished. And there's plenty of books out there I've read that talk about that, like not setting goals that are easily attainable because you want something. That, something that's constantly out of grasp. Something you still do. Yeah. Like you don't want it to be impossible. No, exactly. You don't want it to be like, like but we're going to come into the season, we're going to win a national championship right. in hockey. You don't want it to be that. But you want it to be something that you you feel like you can do, it's still going to be a challenge, but it keeps you moving because you're constantly trying to reach out and grasp it. Home ice in the first round. Right. That's like, okay, we, you know, there's a lot of things that could go wrong that we wouldn't necessarily win a championship conference or national, right? Right. But it's a long season. Yeah. Put in the work. Home ice could be, you know, that kind of thing. I, like our goal's is, fourth is that, place or something, yeah. Yeah, the funny thing is, is like I talk to the guys and I don't get the impression that there is that. that I know, have. and I I didn't. Yeah, sometimes coaches and players are are a little are a little bit squeamish about right. mentioning that because they don't want to. You know what I'm saying? They don't want to. But I they I don't do want to set an expectation. But I do wonder. Let's let's take them at their word and let's say that there isn't something like that. Should there be something like that for this team to hang their hat on? Because otherwise what do you get motivated for? You know what I'm saying? Cause you, you and I, there, look, I'll give you an example, like diet and exercise. There are some people who can get up, you know, they can go run three kilometers a day. They can, you know, have a protein shake for breakfast, eat a bowl of fruit for lunch and have a, you know, a chicken breast and broccoli spears for dinner. And they're completely happy with that. And they don't need some external motivation to do it. If you're talking about me, you know, I need to like have a goal, like I'm trying to lose 20 pounds or something in order to want to do those things. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Something that's a bigger kind of a macro goal right. that I'm trying to achieve. And so I do wonder, like if they don't have that kind of goal, is it, does it make it harder to do those little things right on the kind of the shift by shift basis? If you're not like we're doing this because we want to get here. 
Okay. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. This is very much an intangible type of conversation, but it does make you wonder if something like that is, they have a benchmark like that that they're trying to hit or not. And I just threw that out just for argument's sake. Cause I, I, you know, I don't know. Cause we don't, we don't hear a lot about that as fans. Right. So our reoccurring segment on yes. this has been players of the weekend. Players of the weekend. Do you, do you want to go first so I don't steal yours or do you want me to go first and risk it? <laughs> no, I'll go first. That's All fine. Right. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Joey Abate. I'm going. I'm going back to where I was I in October every week. Was that who you're going to pick? No. Okay. Good. So you were safe, but yeah, I knew you were going to pick that. I'm. I'm going with Abate, the whole weekend. Yeah. Including that unassisted goal off, <laughs> face off that Duluth scored on us. But yeah, I I'm going to go with it. How often can you say that a, a lost face off works out for you? But I'll tell you what. He had a really good game on Saturday night. And I felt yeah. like watching him Saturday night, I felt like he was, cause he didn't quite have the series that I thought he was going to have against Miami. So I felt like he was back this weekend and I was glad to see that because yeah, he's a player a little, I've enjoyed watching this season. And I was a little worried about him going into Saturday's game. Cause I didn't think he had, I mean, he had a good performance on Friday. I didn't think he had right. you know, anything above average kind of no thing. i can understand that but he gets that first goal on saturday yeah and i really think that that helped kind of i, I was hoping it was going to help set the tone for a win it didn't go that way but right. but yeah so joey abate again i gotta give joey abate some love because he's he's been great so uh i'm gonna go with weiss okay i thought that not only was this his best weekend, I would argue that this is probably his two best games of the season so far. Uh, you know, he he really... The, the one thing that impressed me with him this weekend was the power play. When he was out there on the power play, he was heads up, he controlled the puck, and it seemed like they got a lot of good chances off of plays he was making. Uh I'm trying to remember. It was Saturday. I'm pretty there, sure there was, was there was game. there was Saturday. There was one in particular where he kind of took the puck coast to coast, mm -hmm. and it was like I'm taking this into the zone, and I'm going to make something happen. And he very nearly did make something and, happen. And it was after I, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, we were struggling on that. Right. And it was like he finally just said, "All right, fine. I'm going. You guys come with me." Yeah. And. I, I think that helps because I think that his game is on best display in that manner. Right. You know, the power plays are great. He gets a little bit more space and he can find those lanes. He's a playmaker. We've talked about that. That's what he had one on Saturday. The one I was trying to think about was, you know, he had kind of done uh, a little bit of a curl move. Uh, it's coming down the boards and rifled this perfect. Past. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 I know that was. Yeah. That, that was. was a, that was a. That was a beautiful was little pass. Goal. Uh huh. Yeah. And and he had a lot of those like smart decisions. You know when it wasn't there or when there are too many sticks in the lane or something like he knew to go back to Scanlon. Uh, so there was a lot of that. I think that. Uh, you know, even if you don't credit him with the goal and and he only has the assist on Saturday, I think that he. He had a really, really good weekend. Uh, he did. And hopefully, you know, these are always kind of ones that like, is this the start of him really kind of 
incrementally stepping it up every week, every week. And we're starting yeah. to see the kid that, that last year we thought we were going to get. Um, I think our next segment here is to talk about that dinner with the Mavs that right. we went to. Um, you know, he had said to me at the dinner with the Mavs that he was really starting to feel, finally feel healthy because he's been battling some injuries and stuff since right. last season. And so I think that if he's really starting to feel like he can play his game at 100% and feel comfortable on the ice, that that's good news for the Mavs. Absolutely. And one, one other player I want to give a shout out to here yeah. is Kevin Conley because I'll tell you what, when he got that game misconduct on Friday night, that was yeah. a different team without him. You realize yeah. just how important he is in that lineup. So he's a he's a key guy that we've got to keep healthy and keep out of the penalty box for sure. So Yeah, and I thought that was a weird That know. was a weird and and I, I and, you know coach Gabinette questioned that call and I I kind of questioned it myself. I mean, it's I'm in a hard spot cuz I watch it going okay, well technically. Yeah, I know. It's But then again like I watch it going, that's two guys wanting something, and one of them just was better at it. Yeah. Like. Exactly. That's kind of like, and, okay, it's 12U girls hockey, but still, like, one of the dads was like, I can't believe you're not upset about that. And I'm like, so my daughter's good. She's not tall. Like, she's short, okay? She's a, she's a little girl, all right? And she's out there, and this girl's probably twice her height. No joke. And not like thin, stocky, twice her height, like twice her height and like 150 pounds on her. I mean, it's just like, and I've been trying to get my daughter just to be a little bit more physical in hockey because she tends to kind of shy away from physical contact in general, right? Yeah. And so I was really proud because she wanted to be in this spot. She knew this was a spot that was, you know, a good spot in the slot to be in. And this girl came over and kind of, bumped her and she kind of bumped her back and then you know a couple stick shots to the shins and it was kind of you know <laughs> is this tit for tat thing going on and sure I'm like, good for her and well and then the the big girl just finally got fed up with it and pushed her down right yeah well the ref the ref was watching all of this he was letting it all go until she pushed her down and right and it was like okay well now we're gonna call but i i felt for the ref because i i don't disagree with the call he made he looked at it and said right was it lopsided enough that one person did something to someone else that warranted a penalty right and he said no they were both shoving and it's just it finally got to at that point in time i don't want the game to get out of hand i'm calling it right then right and so it was a i thought it was a good play by the refs the conley thing i don't think so because i think in that situation it was two guys going for it it's unfortunate the way they right. ended it up but i think you to give a match on that, to send a guy out for five, I, I, you give him two and you say, yeah, you both wanted it and he beat you. Yeah. Sorry. But a lot of fans would concur with that. So yeah. But if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have a game with a major penalty. Right. And then what kind of hockey are we playing? So yeah, who knows? I mean, You've got to have a five minute in misconduct somewhere in every game. It, uh, it pretty much seems like that's the that's the course in NCHC play now. So dinner with the Mavs mentioned. Dinner with the Mavs, yeah, it was the Thursday before our Friday dinner. Our Friday Saturday series with Duluth. Yep. Thursday night dinner. We got to sit with Jordan Clare and John yes. Schultz. And Schultz. Mm-hmm. Minnesota boy. Minnesota boys. Talked about lakes. Yep. And 
fish. Some of the outdoor stuff they like to do. And yeah. They like to eat salmon. Yeah. Apparently not really raw salmon. Because when they went back for this, is, when they back, when, oh, when they went yeah, back for the salmon, buffet it was not as well cooked. So, oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I went back. Oh, that's right. We were waiting for salmon in the line. Yeah. And so Bridget went up because that's what she wanted because she's not a meat eater. She doesn't eat that much meat. I mean, she'll eat a steak every once in a while when we go out for the, for, to a steak restaurant. Right. But, um, but yeah, so she went up there and she signaled John Schulton said they've got salmon here, but apparently it was a little bit under, underdone. Yeah. I don't know if all of it was or just what. I don't know. I went, I went back up for seconds. I got more of the roast beef in the gravy or whatever that beef was. Oh, the potatoes were great. I loaded up on those. You know, it's a really great experience for people who haven't done it. Um, I mean, it's a, what, 20, is it 25 bucks for dinner? I think. Yeah. I, I can't remember. There's, I know there's a price that if you get them in advance and then if you get them, if, if tickets are available, they do it at Anthony's Steakhouse here in Omaha. It's a buffet dinner. Two of the players will generally sit at the table with fans. I don't ever know if they have to draw straws to decide who sits at the table with the people who do the, you know, podcast and the Mav Puck website. But the guys, I, I the wondered guys if to... like, if coach is like, nope. You're not allowed to sit there. <laughs> like I don't care who sits with them. We're really but these nice. People are off limits. We're really nice people. I think that's what people find out when they meet us in person. We are really nice people. We're really we good fans. We we're really engaged, and we're very humble too. Oh yeah, we're incredibly, incredibly humble. We're just more humble than everybody else. That's that's what's that's what makes us so great. That's right. Uh, Trelv Alberts talked, which yeah. was really fascinating. I yeah. really appreciate him coming out to the dinner because he's not. One that I I have not heard him speak like directly like that it's, before. It's, so that it's been really a while. Cool. Early on in his, when he was hired in 2009 at that point, he did a lot more public yeah. appearances and speaking engagements with fans. Um, and he's always really interesting to hear. And it was kind of fun to hear him because obviously those early years, the stuff that he talked about is a lot different than the stuff he's yeah. talking about a decade later. So it's it was pretty interesting. He uh, He gave a talk at the Omaha Press Club back in October and that was kind of a, a more in-depth version of what you got to hear at dinner with the Mavs. But it's it's really right. cool. I mean, it's you know just hearing stuff like that the you know hockey program generates like ninety percent of the you know right. outside revenue for athletics, yeah. and how Baxter Arena is going to make like what four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars on concerts. Yeah, and that helps when the team is struggling a little bit and ticket sales aren't going well. It helps I, make up for that. I say I liked what he had to say about you know if you. If you ever see, so I'll relay his his message here. If you ever see a concert or a, a entertainment event, we'll say, uh, at Baxter that you want to support or, or you think would be interesting, go and you know pay the money and go see the show yep. because what you don't. I don't think what a lot of people realize is that that's actually money that gets back to university athletics. It is. A lot of people would probably just assume most of it went to the artist and all UNO got was or money like to cover expenses or something. Baxter Auto was profiting off of that or something, you know, or like, so, some, some like weird it, thing like, yeah, I would. And, and honestly, I, I mean, I know that I know a lot of universities that do it, that, that don't do it that way. And I, I wouldn't know specifically how ours is set up, but it's some sort of, I, some I sort of revenue sharing deal. Yeah. Right. So, and even things like 
they have youth hockey tournaments there. They have the curling events and things like there. The, the was it before the Winter Olympics two years ago? Yeah, curling. Yeah, curling trials. When they had the you curling guys went. Trial. Yeah, you guys bought tickets yeah. for that. Yeah. I mean, those are types of events that you don't think about, but that money gets back to university yeah. athletics. Bridget and I are big fans of Christian music, and we've gone to three or four Christian yeah. concerts there. They have quite a few during the year, and so it's it's obviously it's close to our house, and it's a venue we're familiar with and that we like. But it was kind of cool to hear that that helps them offset. Right. Potential revenue loss, because one of the things Trev Alberts pointed out was that just across the board in college athletics, you know, it's a tough time to to sell tickets, regardless of what sport you're talking about. There's there's just a small sliver of programs that really, you know, consistently make money on their athletic teams in a significant way. So that was it was pretty interesting to hear. But I I I enjoyed the talk that we heard with him in October, and I enjoyed the one at the dinner with the Mavs. I. I encourage him to get out and speak more because I think uh, he offers a lot of insight to the athletic department. I don't think the average fan knows and I think would right. really benefit from knowing. So, you know, one of the things he did mention too, and this came up and it was because there'd been a lot of, you know, I don't know why it was exactly, but there'd been a lot of back and forth between Denver fans and Arizona State hockey fans during the week about <laughs> Arizona State's uniforms. arena and their uniforms. So Trev Alberts brought up the notion of whether Arizona State might be an addition someday to the NCHC. And I thought maybe we should talk about that because we're going to be yeah. playing them here in a couple weeks. It'd be good speculation to have. So... Do you want thoughts? me to? Do you want me to give my? Okay, I'll give you my thoughts. You want, I know. You start? Okay. I know some people are against the idea of messing with the current balance of teams in the conference, and I okay. certainly am sensitive to that, and I understand that. However, when UNO started as a program back in 1997, they very much wanted to get into the WCHA. They kind of got the cold shoulder from the WCHA at that time because the WCHA was getting ready to add um, Mankato to the conference. Mankato had just gone Division One, And so it didn't look like UNO was going to get into the WCHA. And there were a number of prognosticators in college hockey that, that thought UNO should be part of the independent conference that was looking like it was going to form with schools that were independents at that time, like Air Force, Bemidji State, you had Wayne State in Detroit, Michigan was playing Division One hockey. You had Findlay in Ohio. You had Niagara. Some of those schools are in the WCHA currently in Atlantic mm -hmm. Hockey currently, but they wanted UNO to be in that Indy Conference. And UNO really wanted to be in one of the major conferences in order to establish themselves. So... UNO decided to look at the Central Collegiate Hockey Association, and, and Ron Mason, who was the Michigan State coach at that time, a coach of, you know, who had a lot of respect and a lot of stature, went to bat for UNO because there were some member schools in the CCHA that were a little bit concerned about adding UNO, which was just a brand new program. Part of the reason was because the CCHA had invited schools like Kent State, and I think Illinois Chicago was one of the others, but I know Kent State for sure. 
And Kent State, you know, ended up in the conference and then their program folded a, a season or two later. So there was some kind of wariness about adding UNO, but Ron Mason went to bat. And I think it really has helped UNO kind of become the program that they are and achieve the stature that they are. And I, I don't think without those early, you know, victories as far as conference affiliation that we would necessarily be in the National Collegiate Hockey Conference today. So long story short... When it comes to Arizona State, I'm not really willing as a fan to be kind of snobby about this. You know, they haven't paid their dues and they haven't done this and that. I do think that they need to probably, you know, break ground on their own arena down there in the Phoenix metropolitan area. Because I think that that would probably help their cause. But I'm not necessarily willing to close the door to the idea of Arizona State. I actually think it might be kind of fun and a neat dynamic to have them in the conference. I look at it a little bit differently. In okay. That I don't care if they've paid their dues. I don't care how long they've been a program. Okay. I think that it has to be a good fit for all of the teams in the conference. Okay. There's some appeal, like a pro-con kind of analysis, right? Like there's some appeal about the idea of like every year you get to go out to Arizona. Yes, Jason, also... I want to go out every January. I want to go January or February. I want to go to Arizona. Yeah. Uh, I think that the challenge because like the cost, right? Like right now you can bus. Any of the NCHC teams can bust to the other teams. Like, right. It's a long drive for Cairo College to Duluth, but now I know you, you can do it. Yeah, right? exactly. I know UNO could, but I know in certain seasons UNO, for example, has bust to Miami and bust mm -hmm. to Western Michigan. Now, in the last couple seasons, I know they've gotten back to flying to some of these series so that the players won't be as right you know, dead, worn out. But you make that choice. Like you have the possibility right. to save some money to, to do that, right? You can't like you can't really you can't, really, you can't really bus to Arizona. I mean, maybe Colorado College could, but it would still be a long, long right. bus ride. So now every team's got the expense of a flight weekend, right? Yeah. I mean, it is a direct flight from Omaha. I'm just the other thing I look at is and, and so you're kind of, that's kind I of, think, that's almost like an, an Alaska example. You've got the added of, cost. It's an expense. There. Yeah. Right. And then you've got what I think Trev Alberts had said at the dinner with the Mavs when he was talking about some of this was when the NCHC started, A, there was a lot of friction lines that faltered. You know, there were a lot of things that, shook out kind of oddly with the CCHA and the Big Ten and the WCHA right, right, right. because, you know, all these teams are getting schlacked from one to another and, and who's getting what and what kind of conference is it going to be. Thanks a lot, Penn this. State. So I look at that saying every team when they brought in teams to the NCHC was committed to hockey being right. A, a, if not the top program at that school, a very important athletic program. Exactly. School, right? Exactly. 
I look at Arizona State going, is that a hockey school? Like, is that program important? I completely understand because they are a power five football institution. The question is, are football and basketball really the important sports to them? And is hockey just kind of a, a fun hobby that they're working on at this point? So how much money? I mean, they don't have a... I I play men's leagues in better hockey arenas than they That have. is true. Now, just, just so... to be the devil's advocate on this, you look at some of the... Like, you look at, like, where Ferris State plays Ava Glaben Ice Arena. It's like a glorified tranquility. You look at where Alaska Anchorage right now is playing. They moved out of their... Um, the city arena and they moved back into an on-campus one. That's again, like a tranquility type of a situation. Now, obviously those two teams are not in the NCHC. So you can make right. the argument, well, there's see, there's a reason that they're not in the national collegiate hockey conference. That is a big stumbling block. I think for them at this point, although I guess if well, I'm, if I'm that program, I mean, you win in that, you know, but scary little dump, but it, it is, it does. It does make you wonder at this point because they haven't broken ground. Now they've said, they don't have, we have press plan- areas. They've they've said we have <laughs> they plans. They don't have good TV outage. Like there's there's nothing about Arizona's current building that works. Right now, at they've all. said they have plans to build a new arena, but until they uh-huh. actually do, but it, it's Put kind of shut up, right? It, yeah, it's, it's kind of like us with our on campus arena. You know, everybody thought UNO was insane when they wanted to move on campus because they were playing in the beautiful arena downtown, but then you know. Momentum started to do it, but it took, I think, longer than they were hoping for to get Baxter Arena done. So this project down there could take longer for them to get done if the if well, the people do in the community by, don't. I mean, what do they mean by plans? Because, like, is this a five year plan? Is this a... and these are the, things that not, these are things that that we don't people know. in the NCHC may know that we don't. Right? They and may they fun. may know. I'm just saying that, like, pub- with publicly were... available information, I question whether or not uh, I want UNO going there, playing in that kind of facility. They, yeah, and, and they, they, they were, they were supposed it. to break ground this fall, and that has not happened. Now I don't know if there's some huge hang-up or if it just hasn't happened yet. I don't know, mm-hmm. but. You're absolutely right. The facility is definitely not up to par with the peer institutions in the National Collegiate Hockey Conference. And then the other part of it, I think, is what does the conference makeup look like if you do bring them in? Eight teams is is a very ideal way of doing... For playoffs and whatnot. Right. Ten is an even number, but ten gets a little trickier. So if you brought in Arizona State... If you brought in Arizona State and, let's just say, Mankato. Right. Because they seem like they'd be the most... Right now, you play every team twice, except for two teams. Right. There's one team that you only play in their building, there's one team that you only play in your building. With eight teams, that's how it works out, right? Right. Okay. So if we bring in one more team, now do you have four teams that you only play once? I can't, you know, I can't remember. I Obviously, when UNO joined the CCHA, then it became 12 teams, but... The WCHA was 10 teams for a number of those years back in the mid to late 90s through the point when UNO and Bemidji State right. ended up joining the conference. It, you know, it can be done. I guess, you know, they may done, have to switch to like the NCHC Final Five at the end of the season. Then you've got the issue. Like, I don't like odd number 
of teams in the conference, I think is what I'm getting to. Is like I kind of say, I, I would, right, if I would bring in Arizona State. If you, you've got to bring at least another because I don't think nine. Te- I wouldn't do nine teams either. Right, no. because then it's like okay, well, right now right. every team plays NCHC, and when we get into the spring, it's every NCHT team is playing, and they're playing another NCHT right. team. Right, you got nine teams. How does that work out? No, that's a that's a that's a weird scenario where it's like the last the, the last place te- you could do like in the CCHA days. That was the weird thing about it. It it started off as one thing and then it evolved into where the top of the twelve teams, the top four seeds had buys, and then five through twelve played the first weekend, and then the winners of those games went and played the four teams, the yeah. top four seeds that had the bye week. <clears throat> If it's 10 teams, then you can get into a kind of a weird situation of, you know, do the la- the two last place teams in the conference just not make the conference playoffs at the end? You could see them doing it that way. I remember... Yeah, but then then you have that, that's lost revenue. It is. It's lost so then revenue. You do, then you go uh-huh. the opposite way and you say, okay, well, let's give the top two teams a buy. So now we're going to bracket it out. And you're going to have top team in, on the left and top team on the right and then you're essentially going to work it into or you could do it like the wcha did it when they were 10 teams and then you you have that situation where what didn't all team 10 teams play each other and then the five winners moved on to the twin cities for the conference championship and then i honestly off the top of my head i can't remember how the wcha final five was structured but was it was it a deal yeah, where two teams five is weird was it was it a deal where like one of the teams got a buy or two of the teams got a buy or some? I don't remember. I don't know. Anyway, we didn't. Yeah, obviously Jason and weird, I didn't. It's a yeah. weird way of doing it because you have an odd number of teams, so someone has to not play, and someone's got an. Or do the where was it the bottom two teams had like a play-in game play-in or something? Game, and yeah. yeah, you. I mean, you can do a lot There's of those a, things. A lot of yeah, it's an extra game. Yeah, and I know. Which, so. I, which I mean. That that, that works as long as you have a neutral site thing. But if the NCHC ever decided to do like it seems like a lot of the other conferences like the Big Ten are doing and go to campus sites, that type of system wouldn't work very well. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, Which is where I say like, I mean, you could do something where you have 10 teams, you've got top two teams are automatic onto neutral site. Right. That's your for coming in first or second in the regular season. That right, is your you reward. could do you could do something like that. Sure. Right. So now you've got eight teams. Right. So your eight teams play home site, where four of those will win. Three through three, four, five, six are home sites. Seven, eight, nine, ten go to those seats. Okay. Yeah. I know you could do that too. But then it's still going to be funky. It's still going to be now weird. you're going to end up with six teams at. Because all you're going to do is lose four. So you're going to end up with a six-team format at your neutral site. Okay. So then you end up with, okay, well, how do we get a six-team down to four? Yeah. I don't know. So it, it so the, the question is, are you and... just, so you're just, are you completely dead set against where we're eight teams? It may be brutal for teams like UNO because, you know, if you look at this conference so far, the teams, relatively speaking, since this conference started when, 2013, that have pretty much been dominant have been Duluth, St. Cloud, Denver, and North Dakota. 
you know, there are certain years when those teams are down, but by and large, those four teams have been pretty dominant in this conference since its inception. So do you, you keep that purity and, and not have, you know, have the, the chaff, you don't have the fat, you don't have the possibility that there are teams that are going to be average teams that maybe are a little bit more beatable on a, any given year and, and, and avoid any weird right. conference right. scheduling conflicts with playoffs and whatnot. Or right now I sit here and say that one team bringing one team in is a bad idea. What about two? What about two? I'm okay. I'm okay with bringing two under two conditions. One being, it's not my decision. The teams have to all agree that this is the best way to go. Right, right. And I think that's it, it's probably could go without saying. I just like to say it like it needs to be their choice. Right. The member the institutions have to is, make that choice. I think it works best if they bring in like if they're going to bring in Arizona State, that they bring in a team that is higher end caliber not another team that they would consider low end caliber like i would bring in another team that you said year one should be competitive with the likes of north dakota duluth denver so would you bring in a mankato or would you become a little bit more creative with that pick well i mean there's talks about notre dame notre dame notre dame had at one time been part of the conversation with the nchc right then they ended up going to hockey east and now they're with the big 10 which obviously geographically it makes that sense makes sense and and from just looking at the fact that a lot of these are football schools right it does. It does. I mean, they are from a funding point of view and everything else. There's a lot of similarities there, so it does make sense. Now, now maybe they would decide that you know, from a pres, you know hockey prestige point of view, that they wanted to be in the right. But again, that brings obviously brings up the question too, Jason. They would obviously like Western Michigan and Miami. They would have to travel pretty far to come to you know right. games and places like I mean, even Omaha, but. North Dakota, Minnesota Duluth, and there's Denver, of like, Colorado College. There's no direct flights, right? So that's the other, you know, like. You I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously, flight. yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, they can go to Chicago and fly to Denver and right. probably fly to Omaha and, and those types of things. But you're right. Sometimes so it's yeah. The other thing that I question about bringing in Arizona State is there are. There are a lot of rumblings about California schools with the expansion of the NHL going to Seattle. Do some of those schools start looking at creating programs? And do we end up with a West Coast League? For example, you know, University of Arizona, Mm -hmm. their neighbor down the road, has had a very good club program for years. What if they decided to go Division One? What if UNLV, a program that we've heard because of the the rise of the NHL in Las Vegas with the Las Vegas Golden Knights, nice. mm-hmm. what if UNLV decided to start a Division One hockey program? And then what if you get some California teams? Let's I'm just throwing schools out here. What if you had USC or or San, well, not uh, even that caliber. San Jose State uh, University has talked about doing a program. Uh, Santa Barbara has talked about doing a program. Okay, so what if yeah, what if you had like a, I mean, pa- a Pacific kind of like a Pacific Coast kind of programs, hockey right? conference? Like, yeah, exactly. What if you had 
What Maybe, if you had this are you, West Coast hockey program? Are you integrating them into your conference, and Only then you to lose them a few years later? Right, and, and at which the road, point right? then you're stuck again? You're stuck with nine teams, and then you right. got to bring somebody else in that maybe you don't want to bring in. So that's got to be part of the reluctance of member schools. You also have to be concerned about bringing Power Five football and basketball money into the NCHC because, by and large, if you look at the member schools, that's not what they are. Right. The schools are a little bit more closely aligned. Obviously, Miami and Western Michigan playing in the Mid-America Conference is a little bit different than the conferences that like North Dakota, UNO, Denver play in in their other um, athletics. athletics. Right. So, you know, it's it's one of those interesting things. But the I guess the question I'd ask you is if we allowed Arizona State into the conference— and that caused more dominoes to fall on the West Coast, and then they left. Would that necessarily be a bad thing because there'd be more hockey, and and suddenly we wouldn't just have sixty be, teams or whatever? It'd you be know? a better thing for hockey, but right. I mean, it's just like when NCHC created, right? Like it's just gonna. When we're talking about this, even just the concept of saying let's just bring Arizona State, you think, oh, they're the one, you know, outlier. Let's just bring them to the NCHC, and it'll be an odd number, right. and we'll be okay, right? Like that's not no, no. No, I understand. Even just doing that, I th- even if they just said that's all we're going to do, we're not going to make it even, we're not going to do anything, we're just going to bring Arizona State, I guarantee there's going to be other problems and other conferences of clubs wanting to switch. So whenever you start talking about this, you start talking about dominoes and what else is going to fall. And we don't, as the NCHC, want to be responsible for pushing that first domino Right, down. we don't want to hit the button. Well, and, the, and another consideration, too, with Arizona State, quite honestly, is they're They've been good the last couple seasons, and right, they're they're not they're not in hockey rich territory like North Dakota and Minnesota Duluth, but they have you know a very unique climate to be able to recruit players to, and in a very a campus that's very attractive to players because it's yeah. one of the largest public universities in the United States. Their argument will be that recruiting they have to recruit kids from Minnesota and. Michigan and you and it's know, like hey you get to you get to come down here more, and you get so. to wear shorts to class and do all right. that kind of stuff. So, right, right, right. But but Minnesota's like if I've got if I've got a hundred thousand dollar recruiting budget in Minnesota, that's gonna go a long way. A hundred thousand dollar recruiting budget in Arizona is not gonna get you very many players. It is. That's one of the things that Trev Alberts talked about at the press club was how when Mike Kemp started UNO's recruiting budget, I think it was like forty, fifty thousand dollars. And when Mike Gabinet started, it was still forty, fifty thousand dollars. And for UNO that's right. not in a traditional market like Duluth or North Dakota are, you know, they're a program that has to like go outside of the country a lot of times to Canada to find kind of the core of their roster. And so it costs a lot to fly and travel around and lodging and meals and everything else. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Arizona faces those kinds of challenges too. But obviously they have power fo- power five football money that can help fund those things, you know? Right. It's just one of those interesting things. I I love the idea of jockeying with conferences. I think it'd be kind of cool to have Arizona State in the conference. I mean, I feel like they practically are in the conference. I mean, we played them, what, twice last season, home and home series. Right. We play them once this season. I I don't know. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind having, uh, having them and their you know, 70 different uniform combinations. Uh, 
Oregon. I'd just like to have a third jersey at UNO. Do we need to hold a GoFundMe to make that happen? Because I know people talked about, you know, being some waiting period with Adidas. And I'm like, why? Do we need to have a, I'm serious. Like, do we need to have a GoFundMe? I want a third jersey. I got an idea. What's your idea? Why don't we just do it ourselves? <laughs> we'll sell you them, and, on, you sell them and... on my pack and... <laughs> Watch them all freak out when people start wearing them to hockey games. Yes, exactly. This is what the team should be wearing. You could design a, a third jersey. We could have Lowry up. And... Awesome jersey. Yeah, Ben Matukowicz, who's designed some of the concept jerseys we've seen online, he could do that too. But I would love to see the team have a just a third jersey. We don't need seventy uniform combinations. Although I, I do like the you know Oregon State football method of of college hockey uniform. So I, I will say that doesn't bother me that much when I hear about Arizona state having that it's one of those unique hooks that you can do when you're a, a non-traditional hockey school and a non-traditional part of the country as it regards that sport. So, so to wrap this up, wrap we've this got to up, talk about next weekend and St. Cloud, we got to go to St. Cloud. Yeah. Big sheet of ice. I mean, we really need, and I, I said this on the MadPug message board before last weekend. We really need to get a win. We cannot get too far behind in the conference race. And we're currently sitting in last place. But we're four points behind Miami in fourth. So we are, you know, Denver's in seventh at six. We're, we're in last place at four points. Denver's in seventh with six. St. Cloud is in sixth with sixth. Yeah, Colorado College has seven. So we're just, we're within spitting distance of all those teams. And like you said, Miami, which is sitting in fourth place, and they got swept by St. Cloud last weekend. We need positive results this way. I mean, we really do. Yeah, I can't argue with that. (laughs) And it's tough. I mean, St. Cloud isn't the same team. They lost that talented senior class that they had last season yeah but they've still got a lot of talented players on that team and they're they're yeah. probably feeling a little bit confident after a little bit more confident after that sweep against miami and even before that the last couple of weeks they've been playing better hockey than when they when they started so unfortunately they, i think we're going in there when they're on the upswing we are and St. Cloud is a place where we haven't had a lot of success over the years. Again, it's the big ice. I don't know why. We better be practicing at Tranquility this week. Cause... Yeah, I know in years past they've gone out and practiced on the big ice at Tranquility. So I don't know if they are or not, but I hope they are too. So yeah, this is going to be an interesting series. This was one where earlier on this season we might have thought UNO stood a chance. This is our one and only series against St. Cloud this season. So this is the only chance we're going to see the Huskies. I don't know which direction to go. You know, last year, last week, you and I both picked that UNO was going to get swept by Duluth, and they got swept by Duluth. So this weekend, I don't know what direction I want to go, but I'm going to be a little bit confident. The team needs a win. They can't get too far behind in the conference race. That's the big thing. Right now, they're within spitting distance of fourth place. Getting a win or two would be huge. Getting a tie at this point would be huge. I'm going to say that UNO goes in there and they split. I'm going to say that the team is fed up. 
They're tired of losing. Okay. They're tired of the two previous home series where they get swept by Duluth and we tie and lose to Miami. They're going to be mad. They're going to be angry. And UNO is going to go in on Friday night and they're going to get the job done. So win Friday, lose Win Friday, Saturday. lose Saturday. Okay. Uh, here's what I think. Okay. St. Cloud may be playing better hockey now. I would agree. But they have a long break after they play us. Okay. Their next game is a tournament game, and their first opponent's going to be Minnesota State Mankato. Okay. I think that we can catch them in an upset. I'm hesitant to say that we can win them both. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if we go in and we eke out a tie on Friday, but then we're able to win outright on Saturday. Okay. I think there's a couple things that lead me to that. I think Weiss playing... The way he is, a lot more space for him to be more creative. And he's finding some chemistry with Abate. And... Right. And ultimately, the weekend didn't go the way we wanted it right. to. But we were really good on the penalty kill. And I think that'll be important on the road this weekend. Yeah. And we'll, I'll be interested to hear what they work on uh, in practice this week. I'm sure they'll work on a number of things. And it might pay dividends. So I'm going to go on a limb and say four-point weekend. Okay, I'm going to say a three-point weekend. I'm going to say we split on the weekend. It's going to be a we, – we got a we got Arizona State coming into Omaha the following week, and they've been playing really well. They played really well against Denver this last weekend down in Arizona. We've got, to, we've got to get some positive things going before the first of the year because we've got two series before the first of the year. We need to get some more conference points yep. to get a little bit of confidence, stay in the race. We can't get ourselves out the race, but more than that – when you've got Arizona State, and then you have to go to Maine, and then you have to go to North Dakota in your next three series, they need some positive momentum because that that's going to be a that's going to be a tough uh, tough row of opponents no. to have to go through. And picking up some points and playing well up in St. Cloud, you know, could give you some confidence going into Arizona. Good way to State help your confidence. Steamrolls, right? Exactly against a team that you haven't had success against the last couple of seasons. So. It's time to get it done, Mavs. There we go. Well, until next time, you can follow all of our, you know, random banter and blathering at mavpuck.com. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. You can find links to those things at mavpuck.com. Yeah. And until next time, go Mavs. Go Mavs.